Hello there, Megas. It's Jess here. I am back from my amazing trip to the South Island of New Zealand. Oh my goodness, if you've never been, you must go. It is absolutely stunning. The scenery will blow your mind. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. It's such a beautiful part of the world. Uh, that was fantastic. So I'm back now and I'm going to be talking to you this week. Well, it's week two of the reboot of the Making It pod course. And this week is all about money. Very important. One of our four M's that we're covering in the Making It pod course. And uh, also, very excitingly, Thriver Circle membership is open this week for just a couple of days. So if you want to join us, you can join the conversation around the pod course and just your business in general. Head on over to thrivercircle.com to uh, jump on board. If it's not open already, there'll be a notification. You can just pop your email in there and I'll notify you when membership opens. And if you missed it, come back next month and you can join us then hopefully. So hopefully you'll get in in time uh, to be part of this course and uh, part of that conversation. So I've got plenty of intro in the upcoming uh, lessons. Just a reminder For those of you who may have missed last week's, I originally uh, published this uh, pod course last year and back then I published one of these lessons every single day as as a small podcast episode. What I've done this time is I've actually brought them all together, each theme, so a week's worth of lessons in one big episode so you can just listen to them all the way through. If you missed last week's, go and listen to that first. It's all about mindset and that will really set you up uh, for the rest of this course. So this week's all about money and we're going to be covering a whole bunch of topics to do with that today. So let's get started. Hey there, Thrivers. Welcome to week two of the Making It pod course. This week, I'm talking to you all about money. Last week was all about mindset, so I hope you got a lot out of that week. So today we're moving on and your mindset, of course, does affect how you feel about money. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Before we get on to the more practical, nitty gritty, bookkeeping type stuff, today I want to talk about your money story. But before we start, let's take a quote from my community. Growing up, we never had extra money outside of living. We had food and a home, but we were not well off. I'm 38 and have never risen above this level of living. It's like I can't or don't deserve or am not supposed to be able to have more money. If I have, I spend it, so it's gone. The struggle is what is comfortable. This is a pretty deep issue, but it's one that many people believe. We don't deserve it and can't keep it. It is a complete money mindset that I know it's possible to change with help and lots of time. So this is an example of a money story that this person has in their mind about money, the story they tell themselves about money. And we all have a money story. We all have a story that we've been taught uh, from our family, from our community, from our socioeconomic position, a story we've been told about money and our relationship to it. And that's what I want to break down a little bit today, because the stories we tell ourselves about money have a huge impact on the success or not of our businesses. Because if we don't value ourselves or our work, 
we often end up undercharging and damaging the prospects of growth in our business. And, you know, more than that, how you feel about and act toward money can have a huge impact on how you feel and the decisions and risks you take in both your life and your business. So let's talk, I'll share my own money story a little bit. You know, I grew up solidly working slash middle class. You know, my parents uh, owned their own home. Of course, it took them decades to pay it off with a mortgage, but hey, it was the goal. Uh, We, you know, we always had food to eat. The bills always got paid. And I always had this sense that, you know, we were doing okay, but we weren't wealthy. We never traveled. Um, I think, you know, we'd go camping occasionally or something or have a have a few days at the beach, but we never, you know, went any real distance. We never went overseas. It just wasn't a part of our lifestyle. Uh, some of my other family members did. And I saw a disparity between, you know, our family, how we lived and how some of the other members of the extended family lived. For example, you know, my parents didn't believe in buying brand label clothing you know, I pretty much lived in hand-me-downs or op shop finds. And to this day, I'm not fussed about that sort of thing. So these are all kind of little aspects of the money story. While I never felt like we were wealthy, I always felt like we were comfortable. And that's kind of what I aspire to be in my own life now too. I don't have the dreams of, you know, having the fancy cars and yachts and Uh, constant travel or you know the big multiple houses or anything like that I just am comfortable with my own home which we now own outright and I think you know giving our ages we're doing pretty well for ourselves to do that in this day and age Uh, we have a car that we own outright you know we don't I don't like having debt Um, that's something that I like to minimize so you know all of these things are aspects of my own money story I always I also believe that I can make money Like I have confidence in myself that I am intelligent enough and um, confident enough that I can work out a way to make a living. And that's what ended up happening. You know, I always had a job, a part-time job or eventually a full-time job. I see the value in work and eventually worked out how do you become self-employed and, uh, you know, detach myself from having to rely on someone else's business or organization to give me money and instead I generate it myself and that to me has been a whole new level of freedom and I couldn't even imagine going back and having a job because I would feel like it was risky and it seems to be becoming more and more you know in the the modern climate it's no longer safe you don't have a job for life anymore and so by diversifying and working out ways to create your own income off your own bat it really is I think the safer and more sensible option in the long term. Not that there's anything wrong with having a job, uh, you know, and if I had to, I would absolutely. But I feel like it's more secure to be able to generate your own money through business ventures or side hustles. So I want you to think today about your money story. What do you believe about money? Is money good? Is it bad? Is it valueless and just a, you know, a method of exchange? Is money easy to come by or is it hard to get? Is it always lacking or always available? And is it a reflection of your worth as a human being, how much money you have? You may bulk at that idea, but I think a lot of us have internalized this idea that if you're rich, you're better somehow. And it's obviously nonsense. (laughs) The amount of money you are worth doesn't reflect on your value as a human being and whether you're a good person or a bad person. 
but we internalize those sorts of stories so those are all ways that you can think about money and you have to kind of get clear on you may never have thought about this before what your money story is and what you tell yourself about money um you know and what is this influenced by it's influenced by your upbringing you know how how much money your parents had or didn't have was it available was it something that was always struggled for how did your parents manage their money your family manage their money were they uh, conservative with it did they think carefully about purchasing decisions or did they just spend indiscriminately run up a credit card bill uh, which which way did it go and has that then influenced the way that you spend money or have a relationship with money you know the community and even the country you grew up in depending on the sort of the the laws and the governments and the way that they approach money could have an influence on that as well um you know how your partner thinks about money if you're in a relationship especially a, a marriage or a committed relationship where money can be a huge source of stress and tension if you have different money stories if you have different money stories that don't align that can be a big problem you know where one person just spends money and the other person likes to save money things like that i was lucky enough or wise enough or just happened to <laughs> Uh, marry someone whose money story aligns very well with mine I wouldn't say happen to because that was a choice you know these are things that I think you need to discuss with somebody if you are going to legally bind your life to them Uh, you know Nick and I knew that we had the same money story or a similar enough money story that we had the same financial goals and uh, in life you know he didn't want to be rich either you know he's not fussed with you know fancy things um, or brand names or any of those things so we're very similar in the way that we approach how money works as um, a, a symbol in in our lives you know it's not a status symbol thing we're not, we're not keeping up the joneses with the joneses type of people but if you have one person who in a, in a relationship who is and one person who isn't it can cause problems and of course you know a lot of it comes down to childhood and how money played out in our mindset and sometimes we internalize that and continue those patterns and sometimes we rebel against those patterns and do the opposite but whatever it might be it's important that you think about your own money story because that really does influence how you feel about making money and how you feel about business as well you know if you if you inherently think that there's never going to be enough money that money's actually a bad thing then running a business is always going to be very difficult because you have those internalized thoughts and feelings about money that it's somehow dirty or bad and sales is wrong or bad and that's always going to influence how you feel about your business and if you don't feel positive and um, you know have a good feeling about money and about making money because it's not like just having a job where someone just pays a salary into your bank account you know you actively have to I I don't really like the word hustle but you know you actively have to chase or work at making money so uh, the action step for you today is this Uh, I want you to ask yourself what story do I tell myself about money you know how do I feel about money how much money do I, I I need to live the lifestyle that I really want to live 
And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be wealthy. There's nothing wrong with wanting that sort of lifestyle. But I would say (laughs) that if making millions of dollars is the lifestyle that you do want, handmade business, probably not the best choice because it is very, very difficult to make large amounts of money running a handmade business if you are a sole trader. You know, if you leverage it, something and become like Jonathan Adler or someone else who doesn't just make their stuff anymore but becomes a brand and and get stuff made for them then maybe but for most of us we're never going to become super wealthy from running a handmade business it's more about a lifestyle that we choose we choose the lifestyle because we love to make something we choose it because we get we get other value out of that not just the the financial value we get the lifestyle perhaps being at working from home not having to worry about employees if you have kids being around for your kids whatever it might be generally speaking we choose a handmade business more for lifestyle and creative fulfillment purposes rather than to be rich Um, how much money do i want so that's different to need Need is how much you need to maintain your current lifestyle. Want is, do you want to improve that lifestyle? And how, this is an important one and a bit a bit scary, but how much money am I worthy of? And this comes back to your feelings of self-confidence and self-worth that we talked about last week. You may have this internalized idea that you're not worthy of being well off for some reason or another. Or perhaps the opposite. Maybe you think, yeah, I totally am. I'm awesome and I'm totally worth that. And that's going to help you if you do have that perspective because you're going to be very self-confident moving forward. So if you want more on this topic, um, I've got two resources for you. One is the podcast, episode 114. Go back and listen to that. It's The Starving Artist Myth with Kirsten Pressler. And if you're in the Thriver Circle, I've got a workshop that's this, uh, what I've talked about today, the money story, but in more depth called What's Your Money Story? And um, in that workshop, we cover some of what I covered, but go into more detail and, and look at a few other aspects of money story as well. Before I wrap up, I just want to take this opportunity to give a huge thank you to all of the members of the Thriver Circle who have been actively participating in this course. You guys have given me some amazing feedback, so thank you so much for that. And huge thanks to everybody who's been sharing this course with their community. I really would love to get it out to as many people as possible. So if you haven't already, please do share it on Instagram, Facebook, or wherever else, and uh, let other people know about it and have the opportunity to work their way through the course and of course if you have any feedback for me so far i'd love to hear it you can email me jess at createandthrive.com as well and goodbye for today hey thrivers welcome to lesson nine of the making it pod course today i'm going to be talking to you about money it is our week of money but more specifically about the money you charge for your work and why you must charge what your worth your work is worth got a quote today from suze harris from designer woodwork by suze i think my biggest thing is accepting the price i charge for an item I guess the underlying fear is that others will think it's overpriced. So that was in response to a question I asked uh, my my community about, you know, what are your biggest roadblocks around money? And I think this is something that almost every one of us has felt at one time or another. 
and that is the fear of charging too much for our work. We've all felt that stab of guilt (laughs) when you put a price on your work that you expect someone to pay you for it. And even worse, the, the fear and the guilt that comes along when you raise your prices. And there's a lot of fraught feeling around raising your prices, even when it needs to be done. Now, pricing is an art as much as it is a science. So there are no 100% correct or right answers when it comes to pricing. But there are wrong answers. And the biggest wrong answer is under pricing to the point where you're not actually recouping your costs. So that's that's step one. You need to be make sure making sure that the prices you are charging literally at least cover the cost of your materials and your tools. That is the base minimum. And if you're not even doing that, then you're in real trouble when it comes to a business. Anyway, you know, if you're not in this to make money, then hey, it doesn't really matter. But if you are, then that is the fundamental level that you cannot go below. Honestly, as well, you really need to be charging for some of your time, even if perhaps in the beginning you can't charge for all of your time, especially if you are still learning, if you are still learning your craft. And of course, in the beginning, as you're learning your business skills, you will be putting in more time than you are probably getting paid for. And that's pretty universally normal uh, because that will decrease over time. You know, the first few years are the hardest. The first year, especially when you are learning so much that it takes an enormous amount of time. And the chances are that you're not going to be recouping uh, the cost of that time then by making sales. But you would hope that down the track, you will recoup that. So, you know, the price you choose as a beginner, it should change once you get more experience and once your business starts to grow. Don't get into the idea that the price you choose now has to stay the same forever. That is not the case. You need to choose a price that is reasonable for your level of skill, for your the level of uh, recognition to a point that your business has and you perhaps. And you know also as your business grows, as your reputation grows, as your experience with your craft grows, you can raise the price and demand more money for your work because you become more and more skilled. And that's just what happens in the world. The higher your skill level, the more money you can um, ask for your skills. So there are a lot of, (laughs) a lot of elements to this process. You know, you're going to see a lot of different formula out there and lots of different perspectives on how much you should be charging, uh, what you should include in that. And uh, I'm no exception. I'm going to recommend a couple of things. Uh, If you haven't already, uh, I've got a couple of resources that'll help you actually do the math on that. So uh, the biggest one is I have a workshop in the Thriver Circle called Pricing with the Head and Heart. And I actually take you through the nitty gritty of this process, taking you through the maths of it and then taking you through the more psychological elements of it. But we're going to talk a little bit about that today as well. Now, of course, the price that you choose to put on your work does 
uh, is, I should say, impacted by your money story, which we talked about yesterday. If you haven't listened to that episode, please make sure to go listen to that first because it, your money story really strongly reflects on this. And so does all the mindset stuff we talked about last week. You know, your self-confidence, your self-worth, um, how you feel about yourself will be reflected in your work, how you feel about your work and your experience. You know, it's how we, it's about how we connect um, our self-worth to our products and the price that we put on them. Now, you know, you need to start treating yourself like a professional. If you are in this to run a business and run a proper business, you need to realize that you're a professional maker. You're not a hobbyist anymore. So the things that apply to a hobby business do not apply in a lot of ways to you. You can't just keep charging to basically cover costs. You need to start charging to cover overheads and your time because unless you start doing that, you can't stop doing other work that you earn money for in order to do this work. Um, you know, and you need to start putting aside the guilt that you feel about asking for money for your effort and your time. Time is valuable. I've talked about this before, but in case you haven't heard it, time is really what money is all about. When somebody gives you money, they're actually giving you a small slice of their life of the seconds and minutes and hours they've lived because we all, well, most of us earn our money through our labor, through the work that we do. And that labor translates into money and that translates into goods that we can buy with that money. So it's a very powerful exchange of life for life, really. So if you have put your life into something, then someone should be giving you a slice of their life in return. That is how commerce works. And how trade works so you know you deserve to be compensated for the, the little bit of life that you have put into creating that product it's there's nothing wrong with that you shouldn't feel guilty about that you shouldn't feel like you're taking advantage of people you're not you're simply putting a value on something you've created and that's a whole nother thing you know this idea that putting a, a monetary price on creativity uh, it can feel a bit difficult and a bit challenging, but it's something people have been doing forever. It's it's just, it's a form of trade. Artisans and artists have asked for something in return for their art forever, and you are just the next in a very long and illustrious line of people who have done just that. So, you know, you need to look at your prices and be realistic about how much you need to be charging in order to, as we said yesterday, work out to, to make the money you need to live the lifestyle you want to live, if this is going to be your full-time business, uh, you need to make sure your prices are high enough that they reflect the value of your work, because often we associate budget uh, prices with bad quality. So money is, you know, the price we put on things is not only about the practicalities, it's also about positioning, brand positioning in the marketplace. Um, you know, my jewellery is not the cheapest in my niche by any stretch of the imagination. I'm also not the most expensive. I'm kind of solidly in the middle upper level of things, especially on Etsy, where you get a lot of hobbyists who are selling, um, who sort of artificially drive the prices down in a way. Um, so, you know, you can't compete on that. You can't compete on that price differential but what you can do with your price is indicate a certain level of quality of your work and this is what happens in the wider world you know people 
will pay a lot more for something that has a certain brand on it because they associate that with some sort of um, quality or status, right? So you need to stop feeling guilty about charging money and charging enough money for your work. And, you know, another thing to remember is, as I said before, if you're undercharging, you're not only doing yourself a disservice, you're actually doing the wider handmade community a disservice. Because if we're all undercharging, nobody is going to be paid what we're worth. Nobody is getting paid what they should be paid because we put an artificial um, undervaluing on our work. So it, it can actually do the whole community disservice when we undercharge. You cannot compete in this industry on price. You're not a commodity. Um, you're, you're not a commodity. You are a brand. Commodities compete on price. People who don't care what they get as long as they get the cheapest one. Uh, we can't do that because there's always going to be someone who can sell cheaper than you. Always. Maybe even a lot cheaper than you. Um, especially this is especially true if we live in one of the more wealthy world economies the you know um, America or Canada or Australia or European countries because our dollar is worth a lot more than people in perhaps China or other Asian countries India or elsewhere where just because of economic forces the dollar is not worth as much so though people in those countries can afford to charge less because they live on less so that's something to take in, in account as well is the currency issue. So you can't, you can't compete when your cost of living is much higher in your country to the cost of living in another country that if they're charging what you're charging, their cost of living will be um, a lot higher potentially than, uh, sorry, their, their, um, what they get for their money is potentially much higher. So understanding those kind of world economic forces when you're selling online matter because you are competing against the whole world market. And this is something that always has confused me <laughs> when I see people talk about, oh, I don't want to sell on Etsy. The price is there. You know, I can't compete because everybody's charging too low. I'm going to sell on my own website. Well, when you walk off Etsy and sell on your own website, you're competing against the entire world. You're competing against people everywhere anyway. You can't escape competing against other people in your business. You know, as much as I absolutely believe in, you know, community over competition, at the end of the day, if somebody chooses you, they have chosen you over someone else. So you need to be working to create a product that people will choose, not because it's the cheapest, but because it best fulfills their needs in some way or another. So the question I want you to ask yourself today's action step is, am I getting paid enough for the work I put in? Am I getting paid enough for the work I put in? And do remember here that if you are looking to make this a full-time business, you can't just calculate the time it takes you to make a, an item, a product. That is a small part of the time you work. You do all this other work and you need to be compensated for that to a certain extent as well. So that needs to calculate into your pricing. So uh, a couple of resources for the resources, podcast episode 136 sort of on this but expanded again uh, why you need to stop feeling bad about charging money for your craft 
this is a members only podcast episode i.e only members of the thriver circle get access to it and also the the workshop the thriver circle workshop i mentioned earlier pricing with the head and heart that's available to members as well that goes into depth about the 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 calculations and then more about this sort of branding uh, positioning or you know pricing with the heart as i call it so remember action step am i getting paid enough for the work i put in and make sure if you're not already subscribed to the Create and Thrive email updates because you are getting a weekly summary in PDF printable format of all of the lessons and action steps, uh, the title of the lesson and the action step in a one page printable PDF. So you can work through those at your own leisure. So head on over to makingitpodcourse.com, uh, pop your email in there and you'll get that each week. Thank you so much for listening to this lesson in the Making It Podcast. And goodbye for now. Jess here. Welcome to lesson 10 of the Making It Pod course. Today is about money again, as all the lessons are this week. And today I just want to talk about something that I think a lot of people don't realize about business, and that is you're probably not going to make any money in the beginning, and that's okay. So I've got a couple of quotes here uh, from Sally Ann Richards from Sally Ann. So she says, One of my struggles with money was the idea that if I didn't make money early on, the business would be a failure. No matter how many times you just say it's a marathon, not a sprint. And although I believe that it wasn't until I got a proper business mentor and he said in the first year or possibly two, it's about minimizing the loss, not making a profit. And that I really, that I really understood it. And of course, in the meantime, you have to live not easy without getting into debt. I'm lucky because we can live without my contribution that goes on luxuries holidays etc but for a lot of the circle it's a definite issue and to be honest if i had to live off what i earn i'd probably have caved long ago but being the personality i am i'm determined to make it work and prove i can make a living and i'm trying really hard this will be my first year where the business is completely in the black with no loans and nothing outstanding And Paula Richardson followed on from this. She's from Kitbag Crafts and says, I've really struggled to stick at trying to make my business grow and work to bring in enough income to live. I had no outstanding debt and borrowed nothing to start, but no investment at all other than fabric and supplies. And I already had pressure on me to go out and find a real job. And it's been huge pressure. It's put a strain on our relationship. And without my mother's monetary support, I could not have continued this last year. I also understand that Uh, this kind of business is indeed a marathon and so I need to be quite single-minded and push through into the second year to see some sort of positive trend. I'm totally uh, all over my figures and I can see an upward movement of profit, very small profit, to pay my bills etc. I need twice as much profit as I'm currently achieving. Now I really need to laser target my activities and focus on the most profitable parts of what I do and drop the marginal. Uh, activities. I've been very lucky to have family support and if I hadn't had this I definitely would have stopped over a year ago and would probably be in a minimum wage job due to my age. So this is the reality and the reality is that you probably aren't going to make much money if any in the first year or two of your business. I certainly didn't. I think in my first year I, I didn't quite recover all my costs Um, I think I covered most of them, but not all of them. I may have made a little bit, 
I can't actually remember. It was a long time ago. I know the two numbers, my expenses and my income for the very first year where it was just a hobby business uh, were pretty close to each other. And I thought that was pretty good going, really, that I managed to cover most of my expenses or if not all of my expenses. And really it is because in the beginning, especially when you have to invest the money in buying materials and tools, etc., it's going to cost more to set up your business than it is to maintain it. And of course, you don't have any um, clout. You know, you don't have an established business. You have to do the work to bring in customers. So that's why I wanted just to make it very clear, you know, that if you are not making money, as in making a profit or an actual income in the first year or two, that's not a bad thing. That doesn't mean that your business is going to be a failure. It just means that it's a normal business because that's the state that most businesses find them in in the first few years. Uh, I've pulled out a couple of statistics for you. Uh, In the long run, 40% of small businesses are profitable, 30% break even, and 30% are continually losing money. Uh, Having two founders rather than one significantly increases your odds of success because you will have, uh, you'll generally, these are general numbers, raise 30% more money, have almost three times the user growth, and they're 19% less likely to scale prematurely. 82% of businesses that fail do so because of cash flow problems. In other words, they can't pay their bills. these um, stats are from smallbiztrends.com. I've got a few other bits and pieces here for you. So about two-thirds of businesses survive two years in business. Half of all businesses will survive five years, and one-third will survive to 10 years. The longer a company has been in business, the more likely it is to stay in business. It's those first few years that are the hardest. So, you know, a rule of thumb is that you should reinvest as much money as possible into the business in the first year like there's no hard and fast rule here but it's common for small businesses to not make any profit for the first few years you need to be prepared for this you need to realize this is a reality of things and make sure that you are setting yourself up for success instead of failure and realize that if you're not making sales and money straight away that's perfectly normal it's not a sign that your business isn't viable so how can we do this well uh, a good way is to keep that day job you know i'm a big proponent of keeping your day job not just chucking it all in and (laughs) putting all of your eggs in the business basket you know if you're very young and you have no financial responsibility Sure, that might be feasible. And you also have financial support from someone else, like your parents or a partner or something like that. If you are in that position, you have more freedom to you know, get rid of a job and really throw yourself into your business and give it a red hot go full time. But for most people who are starting this sort of business that I've come across, who are um, you know, a bit older, who have families or even are in retirement, you can't necessarily afford to do that because you have things like mortgages and uh, 
bills <laughs> and fees and things that you are responsible for. So, you know, keep the day job. There's nothing wrong with that. I know um, a friend of mine who's very successful, Kath Young from My Bearded Pigeon, she to this day has a day job because she loves her day job. She loves it and it's a part-time job now, but she keeps it because she loves what she does and she doesn't want to give it up. And she actually hires people to do some of the making in her business so she can do that there's this weird idea that if you don't just do your business full-time you're somehow not successful and that is not at all true there's nothing nothing wrong with having a full-time or a part-time job and running your business as well you know and or have a side hustle we're going to talk a little bit more about that in in a future episode this week so i won't go into too much detail about that but it's another option as well Uh, alternative and passive income streams is another episode another lesson coming up so you know make sure to build up your savings if you are going to really try to grow a business do it on the side at at first and have that support structure of a job where you can so that you don't have to worry about the financial stress on top of all the other stress of learning how to run a business and make sure to really focus on building up those savings so that by the time if you do want to quit your job you have at least six months worth of savings so you can live off that for at least six months you know don't believe this myth or this weird idea that's out there that you'll suddenly or magically make a lot of money straight away from your business that is not how business works if you're in the position where you have a whole whole bunch of money to invest upfront in advertising and other marketing pr then sure your business might take off a lot faster in fact it probably will because you know businesses only grow if people know about them right so the more capital you have and by capital i'm talking about money and time because both of those are a form of capital the more capital you have upfront to invest in your business the faster it will be able to grow however Limits on either of these things, time or money, will slow the growth of your business. And this is why you need to be in it for the long haul, which is why you always hear my mantra, it's a marathon, not a sprint. If you are getting into business, you need to be thinking long term. You need to be thinking, sure, I might not make much money now, but how can I grow my business so that I do get to the point where I'm making enough money or the money I need to be making? Do you have what what capital do you have more of do you have more time or do you have more money you know that work the day job set money aside from that job that you can invest in your business and that will help it grow faster eliminate unnecessary uh, or extraneous activities from your life that might be sucking up your time and invest that time capital into your business and it will grow faster because it's getting an injection of capital so Remember, if you're not making money in the first year or two, that doesn't mean you're a failure. Really, the businesses that succeed um, quickly um, usually do so because they are picked up suddenly. You know, they they get an early sudden feature somewhere really, really massive and powerful, which kickstarts them. Or they have a lot of money or time to invest in it, whether it's one person or multiple people. And a lot of the time it's because it's not the first business somebody has run. They know what they're doing from the beginning and so they're able to make a profit much sooner. 
you know, when I started Create and Thrive, I'd been running Ethereal for about five years. So I'd learned all the, the, well, not all the lessons, there's no such thing, but I'd learned all the basics and some of the intermediate stuff that meant when I started Create and Thrive, I knew how to do it properly so that it became profitable very quickly. And of course, it's not a, it's not a handmade business, so I don't have the materials costs uh, that I have running Create and Thrive. There are still costs, you know, I've got hosting fees and various software fees and the time cost that I invest in it, obviously, but it's a little bit of a different kettle of fish. So... Today's action step is ask yourself, how can I ensure the financial success of my business in the long term? Look at the long game. Don't get distracted by the here and the now. Look at how you can make your business financially successful in the long run and what do you need to do now in order to make that more likely so that you can become one of those one third of businesses that last longer than 10 years. Hey Thrivers, Jess here. Welcome to another episode of the Making It Pod course. So today it's Money Week. We're going to be talking about good old bookkeeping and money management today. I'm going to kick off with a quote from Rebecca Stamp from Eclectic Mama who says, My biggest struggle around money has been cash flow. When a sale is made, the product needs to be replaced. And if that involves purchasing more raw materials, often the money made from that sale does not cover the cost of repurchasing materials because you're often having to buy a larger quantity than you need to make just one product. So cash flow is a huge issue in business. I talked a little bit about this in yesterday's lesson. So if you haven't listened to that, go listen to lesson 10. Because basically most businesses end up failing because they can't pay their bills. In fact, 50% of businesses don't even make the five-year mark. So it really comes down to this. If you're not managing your money, you're not managing your business. It's that simple. So how are you managing your money? How are you actually keeping track of the money you're spending and the money that you're earning? If your answer is I'm not, (laughs) this is a very important episode for you because if you're not, as I said, if you're not managing your money and you're not aware of what's happening with it, you really don't know what state your business is in. So often we neglect this. We neglect our bookkeeping. We neglect our money management, not just in business, but in life in general, because it is boring or confusing or it seems overwhelming. But The fact of the matter is, if we actually want to have a profitable business, I'm going to talk a bit about more more about profit in a future lesson and how to make more of it. But today, if you're, you know, if you want to have a profitable business, you need to manage your money. You need to be intimately aware with your money situation and you need to make sure that you're tracking it on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. Now, I look at my money situation At least every week I log into my accounting software and I look at what's happening this month. I look at is the income coming in, what I've expected it to be, uh, what are the expenses going up, have we got a good balance going on. Because if I don't know what's happening with my money, I don't know what's happening with my business. Sticking your head in the sand about this is not a winning strategy when it comes to the financial state of your business knowledge really is power you need to know what's going on and you know if you don't know your outgoings and what your income is 
you can't know if your business is in the red or the black and if you're making any profit. And this is really important. I, I can't overstate how important this is. If you do want to be successful financially, you need to be looking at your money regularly, preferably weekly at the absolute minimum, looking at where you are. Now, if you're doing your own bookkeeping, you're going to be looking at it. Hopefully, at least weekly, you're keeping up with your bookkeeping uh, and that'll give you an opportunity to look at where you're going. If somebody else is doing it for you, you still need to check in and be aware as the CEO of your business, you need to know what's happening with your money. So how do you track this? How do you make sure you know what's happening with your money? First of all, you need to separate your personal and business expenses. This is the simplest and easiest thing you can do to get started on really figuring out what's going on with your money. For example, I have a business PayPal account and a personal PayPal account. The business one only gets used for business expenses and income. The personal one gets used for my personal expenses and income. I have separate bank accounts for my business income and expenses from my personal income and expenses. Now, I don't actually have business bank accounts because I don't need a business bank account. I don't use FPOS. I don't have huge amounts of transactions that go through my bank account. Most of my transactions go through PayPal. So what I did when I set all this up is I simply went to another bank. So I had my normal bank that I've always had always been with, uh, with my personal finances. And I shopped around and looked for another bank and went there and just set up some new personal accounts. So I set up a new savings account, a new long, uh, sorry, like checking savings everyday usable account. I'm not sure of the the terminology in different countries, Um, a long-term savings account in there and a credit card. So those three things I set up with a brand new bank and I use those exclusively for my business. This makes it so easy to separate your business and personal finances and keep on track keep you know a close eye on what's going on especially if your business uh your work you do everything on card or online so you electronically uh, purchase everything you buy things with your card and you preferably get paid electronically although i know if you're doing markets you're probably getting some cash as well but that makes it super easy to keep track of your income and expenses because it's all electronically labeled and it's separated so you don't get confused was this a personal expense was this a business expense and it makes it really easy come tax time to make sure that you're claiming the correct expenses because you just look at what what your expenses were in your business so that is my top tip is to separate your personal and business finances and like i said um the regulations and laws may be different where you are, so please check. But for, for me, I only needed to set up a separate uh, personal account and my PayPal account is obviously a business account. Uh, but that way, it's not that expensive. You know, I don't have, if I if I had a business bank account, it would cost me a lot of fees. But because I didn't need it, it's very affordable to do it that way. It doesn't really cost you much extra, maybe, maybe a credit card fee every year or something like that. But look into it and do your research. So... That's number one. Number two is have some sort of way of keeping track. So it can be as simple as a spreadsheet. One of my friends still uses a spreadsheet and she's been in business for over 10 years. (laughs) That's what they still do to this day. Uh, I don't do that and I went away from that because we have a lot of small transactions like with Thriver Circle membership. That's hundreds of small transactions coming through every month and doing that manually just seemed, uh, no. So we have it automatically set up because we use um, software. So we use Xero mostly because we, when we 
got a new accountant years ago that's what they used so we just went okay well it does everything we need it to do so we went with that but there's plenty of other options there's um intuit quickbooks there's wave which i believe is free uh i'm not sure about the integrations on those but like zero it integrates with um all our bank accounts and paypal so we don't actually have to manually put anything in there we just have to click a button that says reconcile to balance the two things so it makes things a lot easier well nick says it does he does it <laughs> so you know it speed things up speeds things up significantly so those are a few tips on how to get a handle on your bookkeeping separate your business and personal finances get some sort of bookkeeping system in place and set up a habit of using it don't just go oh yeah i'm just i'm going to set up this system and then don't use it and wait till tax time when it's an absolute nightmare trust me i did it myself the first time <laughs> i didn't do any proper bookkeeping for the first year and then i had to sit down and do it all at once and it was awful so save yourself that horror horror experience and do it now and do it as you go uh, and then when tax time comes it's so much easier you just look at the numbers and go oh it's all done for me brilliant uh, and you know those are the key things you can do so get some sort of system in place so your action step for today is this ask yourself am i managing my cash flow in a way that will ensure my business remains viable do i need to upgrade my bookkeeping systems and how often i check in with my money situation if you're not already doing it weekly and you don't already have a system in place the answer is yes <laughs> so please do that uh, further education on this, guys, is in Thriver Circle. There is a workshop, a video workshop called Bookkeeping Basics, where I go into a little bit more detail of you know why money, my money matters and keeping an eye on it matters. And uh, I give you a spreadsheet you can take and use if you um, never, you know, you've never done it before and you don't know how to even set it up. That's in there as well. So get a handle on your bookkeeping today. That is your job. How are you managing your cash flow? Do you need to change it? to make sure that you are aware of your money situation and your business has a chance to remain viable in the long term. I'll be back again tomorrow with the next lesson in the Making It Pod course. So goodbye for today. Hey there Thrivers, Jess here. Welcome to another lesson in the Making It Pod course. This is lesson 12, make more profit. So in previous uh, episodes or lessons this week, of course, I've been talking about all things money. We've talked about your money story. We've talked about the fact that you probably won't make uh, a profit or even any income in the first year of your business above and beyond your expenses. Uh, we've talked about a few other bits and pieces, bookkeeping and cash flow. And today it's time to talk about the thing we all want, and that is profit. So I've got a quote for you to start off with and it is this finding the money to buy supplies to start a business is a challenge i intended to start selling to make extra income for our family since we were going through a tight time but i've ended up spending more than i imagined in making prototypes and samples and everything else that goes along with setting up a handmade business i could have started selling a few things before i had anything else figured out but i have trouble doing things halfway which i think is probably something a lot of us can relate to so you know, it, it takes time, as I said in previous episodes, it takes time to be making a decent amount of money above and beyond, well, even covering your expenses, let alone making extra on top of that. So when you're starting out, making a profit might seem like a far off dream 
But you know, it is that profit that will help you and allow you to expand your business in the future or make your business uh, remain viable as well. Now, you know, I started my business as a hobby almost 10 years ago now, and I wasn't really worried about making a profit. I, I started selling my jewelry literally to recoup some of the costs that I'd incurred in buying all the supplies and materials, which I was doing pretty much just for fun at that stage. But, I, you know, I had piles of jewelry around me and I'm like, what am I going to do with all this stuff? Like, I love the making process, but I didn't wear that much jewelry. And, you know, there's only so much one person can wear. And that's how I started selling it. It was literally as a cost uh, reducing exercise to make my hobby more affordable. And I think that's probably where a lot of us start is, you know, having that hobby business. And some people, that's all they ever do. And that's absolutely fine. If that's what you want to do, then it's probably a more relaxing way of going about things. But, you know, the startup phase in anything is expensive because you are buying tools for the first time. You're buying um, materials, probably not in the most cost-effective fashion. You're probably buying more stuff than you'll ever actually use. I know, my goodness, I have so many like gemstones and other jewelry bits and pieces that I've never actually used just because, oh, that's pretty. (laughs) Shiny object syndrome kicks in. Uh, I don't do that anymore. Well, occasionally, very occasionally, uh, but back in the beginning, oh boy, so many things. So, you know, that all costs money as well. And I was just happy to be, you know, making a little bit of money back that 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 was awesome so what real when things really start to get exciting of course is when you start making money above and beyond just recouping your money and covering your expenses that's real money money that you can actually do stuff with now the thing to remember about this whole profit thing is that until you're paying yourself a wage you're not making a profit your wage or your income personally is not profit Profit is the amount above and beyond when you cover your expenses, you cover your personal income, your profit is on top of that. So that's my definition of profit. That's how I look at profit. Profit is extra money that you can use to grow your business. You can hire staff with it. You can pay for advertising. You can start a new side venture or push your business in a new direction or add new elements to it or afford to buy new materials that you don't really know what you're going to be doing with yet, but you want to experiment with. And until you're making that money, all of those things are expenses you just can't afford because you're literally just covering the base costs of your business. So profit is important if you want to have a viable long-term business, getting to the point where you are making a profit. Now, that's not to say that, you know, you're making an income. Obviously, you've got to cover your base expenses, materials costs, and you have to pay yourself something. In the beginning, you may choose to pay yourself a lower amount so you can keep more profit and reinvest it back in the business. As time goes on, hopefully you'll make more money and you'll be able to pay yourself a higher salary or wage or income, whatever you want to call it, and still have profit to reinvest back in the business. One thing to remember, if you're paying taxes, that is not from your profit, that should be a base expense. So you need to cover that in your expenses. So calculate that in as well. Profit and, uh, sorry, tax and fees are all things that are in your basic expenses. So, you know, most people do start off just covering the costs or not even covering the costs. So it is very exciting when you get to this point and you can actually say, hey, my business is not only surviving, but thriving. It's making a profit. 
I can have extra money that I can actually do stuff with in my life and in the business. So I have a few follow-up episodes uh, on the podcast that I'm going to direct you to rather than going through the same information again, because I've covered this previously. So there's two. Number one is podcast number 23. What is profit and why is it important? So I talk a little bit about what I've just covered today, but go into much more detail about profit. Number two is podcast episode 54, five ways to increase your profits. So I actually give you five concrete ways that you can increase your profits. I'm going to give you one of those ways now, uh, and that is minimizing expenses. That really is a huge thing that you can do in the beginning to increase your profits or at any stage, but especially in the beginning, because if you're anything like me, when I was starting out, I didn't, I just bought what I wanted to buy. I didn't shop around for the cheapest version. I didn't try to get, I didn't buy things in bulk. Uh, I didn't necessarily get trade or wholesale prices, which I do now because I have a ABM, which is an Australian business number, which allows me to um, access those sorts of things. So check it that out in, in your country. There may be you know if you buy something from a supplier and you have whatever your business number equivalent is you may be able to get a trade rate or a wholesale rate that you wouldn't be able to get as just a person off the street so look into all of those things minimizing those expenses as much as possible and that will obviously help you to make more profit things like buying your packaging in bulk you know we buy our uh, we sell um ship all our stuff in uh, bubble mailers and we buy them by like the thousand <laughs> so we buy it in bulk because it's a big expense up front but it costs us uh, saves us heaps of money in the long run you know i just used to go down the post office and buy one by one the bubble mailers to ship my stuff and they were like so expensive i mean it didn't seem expensive it was like a dollar something but when you can get them for like 10 cents if you buy them in bulk it's it's a big saving in the long run so look into things like that and that will definitely help you and you know they might seem like small amounts but small amounts over time add up and it makes a big difference so go listen to those two episodes 23 and 54 and today's action step for you is Where can I make changes in my business so that I create more of a profit margin? What expenses can I reduce or eliminate? That is your job for today's lesson. Thank you so much for listening to another lesson in the Making It pod course. I'll be back again tomorrow with yet another one. Bye for today. Hey there, makers. Jess here. Welcome to lesson 13 of the Making It Good Course. It's Money Week, and today we're talking about other ways to make money. Uh, As you heard me talk about in a previous lesson, uh, when I was talking about, um, you know, making sure that you get through that first year or two of business, I was saying keeping a day job is a great thing to do. So that is one of them. But today we're going to talk about what is an alternative and a passive income stream. I know, you know, it can be very daunting to have to rely on only one income. If you're a solopreneur and you are solely responsible for your own self, or even if you're in a situation where you're the provider for your family, uh, relying on the income from a handmade business can be quite terrifying. I mean, I have, you know, two businesses now. So our handmade business is one of our income streams. We actually have three income streams now. We have the jewelry business, we have Create and Thrive, and we also run an Airbnb 
uh, our house has a, a granny flight attached to it and we run an airbnb if you want to check it out you can go have a sticky beak at it head on over to ethereal.com and right down the bottom there's a link to our airbnb there if you're curious so those are three income streams we have as a family and that's the only three we have you know the only other things we have are like dividends from shares that we get occasionally but that's not very much money and we actually usually reinvest them so in reality those are our that's what we live on and that's what we've lived on for almost 10 years so we have had um we've been running the jewelry business for almost 10 years i've been running create and thrive for about five just over five years actually now uh in there i also ran another jewelry business for a while uh, in a completely different style called Vintet. I also ran the Bespoke magazine, little zine that I, I published for a couple of years. So there have been a few other income streams in there. And of course, with Create and Thrive, I have multiple income streams from this business. So I've got called the courses I run. I have the Thriver Circle, uh, eBooks that I sell and short courses that I sell. So there's multiple different income streams through the Create and Thrive business as well. And it's really, really, uh, it feels really, really good to have different income streams, like to have not all your eggs in one basket, but have multiple ways that money is coming into your life. Because then if one of those things isn't going so well, you know, you can maybe pivot and put a bit more effort into one of the other ones, or it's just, you know, it's just feels more secure to have multiple income streams coming in. So I'm a big fan of having um, passive and alternative income streams as part of your business uh, journey and as part of your life. So let's, you know, I, there's a couple of makers I can think of at the top of my head. Actually, most of the, ma- the successful makers I know don't just have one income stream. They don't just have like an Etsy shop. They have, uh, you know, a shop. They might have multiple websites. They might sell through other venues. They might sell wholesale. They might sell consignment. They might do markets. Those are all different income streams for your business and they might do completely different things some of my friends have a part-time job some of them uh, run a shop or something so there's there's lots of different ways that you can be bringing in money and I think there's this weird weird idea out there that if you don't do just your handmade business all the time and that's all you do then you're somehow not successful which is rubbish frankly you know as long as you're making a good income from it or well, not even that, as long as you're making the money you want to make, even if it's not a full-time income, then you're, of course you're successful. Your idea of success is your idea of success, not somebody else's. So, you know, having these different income streams is very, very handy. I have what I would call active and I have passive income streams. So what is a passive income stream? So a passive income stream is something that you create it once and you sell it over and over again, basically. So like the ebooks that I sell or the um, self-study courses that I have available on Create and Thrive, those are what I would class as passive income streams. So they've been created once and then they can sell over and over again. Now, of course, you still have to do some work with those. It's not like you can create something put up there and it just sells by itself. You still have to market it. So there is still work. This idea of a passive income stream that just happens is very unusual um most people have to work to sell the thing so it's not completely passive but it is good to have something like that like if you're you know if you can create a video workshop and sell it on udemy or skillshare 
that's one you do the work to create it once and then you sell it over and over again so that is one thing that differentiates obviously that sort of work from a handmade business where every time you sell something you have to make it or you have to have made it which you know it's so it's so the good thing about it is that it saves you a lot of time and it's probably more profitable in the long run as long as you're not spending heaps of time and money marketing it but i mean you've got to market anything you sell don't you so passive income streams uh you might be able to sell a kit or um you know a, a design or a pattern or something like that but teaching obviously is one way so selling a course or an ebook and things like that in your niche to people and the thing to remember about that is it actually spans your market too because generally speaking people who buy a finished product from you are not the same people who are going to be buying a kit or um, learning from you in a workshop video or in a workshop because they're in it for different reasons the people who are learning to make the thing want to know how to make they want to they want that they're buying the experience of crafting it they're not buying the finished product per se so it does expand your market as well and of course alternative income streams well it's any way that you can bring your money so you might uh i don't know be an uber driver you might have an airbnb like we do uh have a part-time job whatever it might be um work as a virtual assistant uh, do things on airtasker if you don't have airtasker it's a thing here in australia where you can basically put yourself up there and say hey i'm available to do these sorts of jobs and anyone can hire you to do them either offline or online it's pretty cool so that is another really good way of of bringing in alternative income uh, so yeah, a side hustle, all of those sorts of things. And I do encourage you to look at your business model and see if there is a way that you can incorporate alternative and or passive income streams into that to ensure that you're bringing in more money, but that you also have more financial security because your money is not just coming from one place alone. So if you would like more on this topic, head on over and listen to podcast episode 96. It's called Passive and Alternative Income Stream. So it's kind of this lesson, but in much more detail again. Uh, today's action step is what alternative or passive income streams could I create as an addition to my main product-based revenue stream? Just go crazy. Like think about all of the skills you have and Think about which ones you could leverage to make money from. I'm sure you have many different skills. Um, one thing that I've always, uh, this might not be um, an income stream per se, although it could be. I've always wondered like people, makers who work from home and have young kids, and I know there's a lot of you out there. I highly encourage you to try to make connections with local people in the same situation and see if you can basically kid share. <laughs> so instead of everybody having to pay, um, you know, having to pay fees to for daycare, you could maybe have a, some sort of round robin where one person takes the kids and you swap and the other person takes the kids for the day and it means that everybody gets a chance to have some kid-free work time. Uh, if, that, if you already do that or if you know people who do, let me know because I think it's a great idea, a way of supporting each other in the community. Okay, so uh, tomorrow, of course, is our wrap-up lesson for this week, so don't miss that. And if you've missed any of the episodes, do head on over to uh, the Making It podcast, and from there you can find the link to the Crack and Thrive podcast. 
Of course, if you're listening to this on a podcast uh, service of some description, make sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a review if you're enjoying the show, especially if you're enjoying the course. And you can scroll on back to look at all the previous lessons in this course. Hey there, makers, Jess here. Welcome to uh, lesson 14 of the Making It Pod course. Today is our wrap up of this week of money, all about money. And I have a nice quote from Cassandra Pons of Lazy Girl Londra, who's one of the Thriver Circle members. And this is what she has to say about her journey so far. When I started my label, I was a student with no money. So I did what I could and as I saved up for it. Bought bulk fabric where I could, bought industrial machines when I could, paid for photography when I could, etc. And friends I have that started a business, saved up a lump sum for capital to get going, and had someone else to help start with expenses, but that wasn't an option for me and I didn't want to wait to start. I feel like I did what I could with what I had. I listened to a podcast on Mamma Mia about Spell, a huge brand that I admire, and they spoke about how they struggled to make and made no money for the first few years. I couldn't believe that someone who looked so successful to me was in that position. I feel like in my journey, I've learned to be proud of the money I am making and not be wishing it was all happening faster. I know I'll get there. I've learned the importance of pricing correctly, especially once you go into wholesale. At the moment, I work part-time and spend the rest of my time working on my business. I find it takes the pressure off me knowing a constant amount of money will be coming in each week. Sometimes people say to me, just quit your job. It will all fall into place. But I'm realist and I'm quite cautious as I know being stressed about money will sap my creativity. I love this quote from Cassandra because I feel like it kind of sums up everything we've talked about this week. And she wrote this before uh, the course went out. I put a call out in the Thriver Circle group for anybody who wanted to, you know, share their thoughts or questions about these topics. And I think she's a really great example of doing it the smart way, you know, starting, just getting started, not waiting until you have enough money, not waiting until you have all of the right fabrics all of the right tools you know all of the perfect stuff but just starting where you are and doing what you can with what you can afford now and slowly but surely growing over time you know if you listen to me for a while that I'm very down to earth and I'm very much a realist about business I think it's really unhelpful to be telling people oh yeah it's all going to be fine everything will work out Um, you know, just quit your job and, and you'll figure it out. It'll all be okay. And just, that's just not healthy and it's not safe and it's not sensible, especially for those of us who are in a position where we have responsibilities, we have financial responsibilities and we can't just throw it all away and hope for the best. We have to be smart and strategic and think long-term about these things And that doesn't mean it's not working. You know, my episode a few days ago, I was talking about why you probably won't make money straight away. I've had a lot of great feedback about that. People going, it's really helpful to hear that because, you know, I realize that I'm not alone and that I'm not, uh, I'm not a failure because I'm not making some money straight away. So, you know, if you are in that position, know that it's perfectly normal and look, you know, reach out to other people and you'll find that most of us are probably in the same boat. And the thing that really ends up making most people successful financially is time. 
It really is. It's time and persistence, persistently and consistently working on your business over a long period of time and putting money in sensibly when you can and reinvesting as much as you can, especially in the beginning, so that you can grow the business at a faster rate. I talked about, um, you know, what you can put into the business. You can put time in and or you can put money in and whichever of those you can put more in, the more you can put in, the faster it will grow. And that's just a simple equation. So I hope this week of lessons on money kind of helped you get real about your money situation, but also gave you a bit of a moment when you realize that you know it's okay to go slow it's okay to take your time it's okay to have alternate and passive streams of income it's okay to have a job none of those things negate your success none of those things mean you don't have a business they just mean you're doing it in a way that works for you and you you need to do it in a way that works for you not look at what other people are doing or what other people have done just follow the sound basic business and financial principles so that you're doing it sensibly and slowly in a way that won't get you into financial strife or trouble because I don't think that's going to be helpful at all to get yourself you know don't go into huge amounts of debt if you are in a position where you want to get a loan shop around make sure that it's something that you can pay back even if the business doesn't work out don't put yourself in a situation where you could damage your personal financial reality for the sake of something like this and i know there are going to be people who disagree with me uh you know the people who are like no let's go for it let's just get a big loan and make it happen and i think if you are um incorporated perhaps that you can shield your personal financial uh, situation a bit more from the business and that might be more uh, reasonable but if you are just a sole trader that, that's Australian lingo you know uh, I'm, I don't have a corporation um, I'm just in business as myself and most of us in small business are in that situation and if that is you then your personal and business finances both come back to you they will be laid at your feet at the end of the day so it is important to be sensible about it and uh, you know hopefully over time you will start seeing that increase in income and you will start seeing that increase in profit and you will start seeing your business become a financial success and that is really really exciting so thank you so much for being here for another week of um, the making it pod course we've covered mindset we've covered money next week starting tomorrow we're going to be covering marketing i know this is a big one for everybody so i'm going to be talking tackling a whole bunch of marketing topics what i'm not going to be doing is telling you how to get more followers on instagram i'm not going to be focusing on those nitty-gritty little teeny tiny details that might change in six months time i really want to focus on the stuff that will be relevant for the long term uh, that won't be massively impacted by changes in social media or algorithms or anything like that. So I'm going to be covering things like your story, how to tell your story to the right people, uh, how you can work on your photography and videography to tell your story, how to improve your search engine optimization, your SEO, why a mailing list still matters. 
and more. And I am going to be talking about social media, of course. Uh, And there are a lot of other further resources that I am going to be referring you to throughout the week. So your action step for today is ask yourself, what changes do I need to implement in my money management ASAP? What changes do you need to implement after listening to this week's lessons? Do you need to get a better bookkeeping system? Do you need to do some work on your money story? Do you need to find out how you can reduce your expenses so you can make more profit? There's a whole bunch of stuff that we covered, but pick one or two things that you need to do as soon as possible that will make the biggest difference and then get them done and then move to the other things. So I hope you'll join me again Uh, for the next module of the making it podcast thank you so much for listening if you have feedback to share about this week about money or any other lessons back in the mindset module please let me know i'd love to hear from you you can email me jess at createandthrive.com or at me at create and thrive on instagram or just come on over to my instagram and leave a comment i would love to hear your thoughts and what uh, has been coming up for you and what impact these lessons may have been making on your business i'll see you again next week for week three and our next m is marketing So don't miss that one. We're going to be talking all things marketing, how to grow your handmade business, and I'm going to cover a whole bunch of different areas to do with your marketing efforts. Remember, Thrive Circle membership is open this coming week very soon, depending on when you listen to this. It may be maybe before it opens. It might be open right now. Go check. Uh, Or if it's closed... You can still join us in the future. Just pop your email in over at thrivercircle.com to get notified when the membership doors open again very soon. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it, especially this pod course, because, you know, I've put together a whole bunch of really quick, uh, actionable items uh, that I really want people to take advantage of, use and share. And hey, if you haven't already make sure I head over to makingitpodcourse.com. Pop your email address over there because I have got a downloadable for you that has all of the action steps and questions from this episode, from these lessons. It's one page. You can download it and work your way through it. And the same goes for every week of the podcast. There's a downloadable with all of the action steps and questions. So you can actually really use this as a course and take the time to do the work and get the results from it. So I really strongly encourage you to do that. It's, as I said last week, you know, it's so easy just to listen to something like this and then go, oh yeah, and then totally forget about it. But I really did create it to be uh, like a course that you actually do the work on. So head on over to makingitpodcast.com and pop your email in there. And once a week, I'm sending out the uh, downloadable with all of the action steps on it. So it may take, may take a few days before it arrives. And I'm going to be putting all of the previous ones in those emails as well. So if you know, if you've only just listened to this episode, and you've missed last week's, go listen to it. But also, I will in the next email be sending you that week's uh, downloadable as well. So you won't miss any of them. So that's makingitpodcast.com jump on over there and put your email in so you can get access to those action steps. Thank you so much for listening. Please do, as I said, share this with your friends. 
Easiest way is just to share it on your your Instagram stories, take a screenshot, or if you're on Spotify, use the share function and you can share it right on through, which is pretty cool. Thank you again. And I hope this is, you know, that you're finding this really helpful. Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. I'll be back again next week with week three of the Making It podcast, all about marketing.